0: God, I pray over our gathering today. You've purposed for each of us to be here. How amazing is it that you've moved time and space? You've moved our lives to have us sitting here today. And God, we receive whatever it is you want to show us today. I pray for our minds that they'd be clear of all distractions and our hearts would be hearts that are open. God, remove any stone in our heart and give us a heart of flesh. Let us know that you're moving. Let us feel that you're moving. Cuz God, you're in this place. And when your people gather together, you already said that you will move. God, we've already experienced you moving and we're excited to be in this river with you as you show us who you are today and who we are in you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat today. I want to I want to number 1 thank you guys for leading us in worship today. Like, wasn't that incredible? If we would, just thank our team back there for setting the pace, yeah. That's good, man, that's good. I know most of us are from Colorado, but if that were down in Texas, people would be jumping up and down. There'd be wave going across everybody. Like, they're animated and I absolutely love it. We can read in the New Testament, in the Old Testament, I mean, in the Old Testament, going before any kind of battle was what? The trumpeters, the people that were declaring and making the music and and making the worship, saying, our God is here and will take over this land. And so every week we get to come together and say, our God is here and he's taken over this land. He's taken over the land of downtown As even in this beautiful building that's been restored. I think that's nothing more than an imago of our own hearts, like what God is doing in us. He's restoring us. He's making us new. And so it is amazing to be worshiping our God together. Amen? Well, if you're new to Church Project, we're a church. We're a gathering of people that love Jesus. It's a good place to start. And we love the mission of Jesus in this world, and we want to live that out together. We're also a project, we're an ongoing pursuit to discover what Christ originally intended church to be, and so we don't have this figured out. We're we're continually needing each other like Jonathan. Thank you so much for being so vulnerable. It takes us all, and it's not just the cute stuff that we get to walk through life together with. It's the hard stuff that we get to walk through life together with. I mean, we've got a text going right now with our little house church, and we're walking through some pretty tough stuff together, and we're praying for God to take some land in, in, our, in each other's lives. And so I want to encourage all of us right now, right now in the month of July, we're taking a pause from our house churches, which is the only month we take. Well, never mind. We take a pause in December, too. But for July, we're taking a pause from our house churches. But it, when we start back up in August, I wanna encourage every single one of us to get intimately involved in a house church, like intimately, move your schedule, do whatever you need to do to make it happen because we need relationships. We need to be able to stand up and just share the depths in which we're struggling with life, with issues, with the good stuff and the bad stuff, as ugly as it is. Like we need each other to walk through this life. And I'll just say it as the pastor of Church Project. I've pastored many churches over many years. Huge, big churches and small churches. And even starting this one right here. Here's what you'll leave. You will leave the organization. And you will leave the thing called Church Project. Happens every day. You won't leave the relationships. When we're in relationship with each other, we're walking through each other. That's how we're strengthened. Strengthened. So I want to encourage you. One, get in a house church. But I also want to just... Bring us all on this journey right here. The journey is this. For the month of July, we're paused, and in August, we'll start up again. Like, we think we know who God's brought to be our house church pastors for this next season, for 2019 and 2020. We've got a really good idea as to who that is, and I'm excited for all of our house church pastors. And at the same time, I'm still giving this little call out. For the month of July, if you feel like God is calling you, he's given you a capacity, and he's given you conviction to lead a house church, then call me. Let's talk. Let's go get a coffee and I want to engage in that because this next year for 2019 and 2020, it's going to take strong leadership. It's going to take people that are just convicted about who God is and what his word says so that when that situation comes up in our house churches, we walk through it together as ugly as it is. And so if you are at all thinking and praying about that and you wanna move forward, then just let me know. But otherwise, I invite all of us to continue to pray that God would show us exactly who he has as our house church pastors for this next season. Is that good? Can we do that? All right, excellent. Okay, Oh, two other things, sorry. Um, Right now, um, is is Krista here? She's not here. Okay, I was gonna pray over Krista so we won't do that, Okay. But tomorrow tomorrow is the Young Life Golf Tournament, and they're one of our ministry partnerships, and that's a huge, big deal. Um, Brian and I are playing in it. Woo, woo, okay, Brian, everyone. So tomorrow, um, Young Life is having their tournament, and so I want us to pray that God would just cover that thing and that, that tons of money would be raised, and it would be an amazing thing. So she's not here, so we won't pray over her, but all right, there you go, okay. Um, Let's get into this message here. If you would, open your Bibles to Luke chapter 15, verses 5 through 10. We have been going expository, verse by verse, through the book of Acts. It took us two and a half years, and we've paused. And what we've done is now we're talking about the parables of Jesus. So when he spoke, like these are the parables. And so last week, Jared uh, Ashida did a great job looking at the parable of the lost sheep. That was a great message. Today, we're continuing in that vein of just lostness, and we're looking at the lost coin, and that's found in Luke chapter 15, verses 8 through 10. We'll get to that in a minute. I want to kind of set it up like I do every week. When we're talking about parables, parables was the preferred method for Jesus' teachings. A third of his teachings were done by these stories, by parables. That's the power of parables. That's the power of stories. And it's important for us, as we read through these parables, we need to ask ourselves a few questions. One, how did Jesus intend to change the attitudes and the behaviors with this parable? So when he was actually teaching this, how did he intend to change the attitudes and behavior of the people that were listening to this parable? We need to have that same thought. The second question is this, um, or just thought, Jesus' original intent, what he originally intended for that message to, to display and to teach, to change the attitudes, should be the goal of us as we read this. When Jesus, what he was originally teaching, should be our goal as well. And, the, and then the other one is this, okay? Prompted by the Holy Spirit as we're going through these parables, God is going to speak to us each individually. And when he does, I pray that we come under his alignment and we say, God, you're the Lord over my life and I, and I surrender to your lordship. And as the Holy Spirit teaches us and prompts us as we're sitting here, as we're going through this, I would pray that we'd be men and women that would say, show me which way to go and I will align myself under your teaching and who you are in my life. So that's my prayer. In fact, I want to pray this prayer over us out of of Psalms 25, verses 4 through 5. Jesus, help me to submit to your kingdom authority in every area of my life. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your path. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Amen. Let's look at this parable. Before we get into this parable, here's the question. Have you ever lost something of value and went crazy trying to find it? like your cell phone, you're like, where is that stupid cell phone? Okay, it's called geotags. Put them on everything you have, okay? If you've ever lost something and you couldn't find it, it's like you're, you're moving everything to try to find it. I remember when Jared and, and Shannon and Shida literally lived next door to us. One that one day he was out shoveling a sidewalk with the snow and did something like this and his ring flew off. His little gold, his wedding ring, you know, and so he suddenly wasn't married anymore and it was gone. and. I mean, he was out moving every inch of snow. I went out there uh, and I was moving every inch of snow. I mean, we looked. We looked for months and months and months. It was probably a year that I would go outside and I would just kinda look around the ground and nothing. And then one day my daughter went out and in the rock, she's like, oh, here it is, like found it, right? But if you've ever been there and you've lost something, you're like, where's it at? There's still things that I don't know. I don't know where it went. Like my plunger moving from Gunnison to here. (laughs) I'm like, I remember putting my plunger in the U-Haul, and no one's going to steal that. Where's it at? I still don't know where it's at. And it was very valuable, by the way. (laughs) Let's look at this. (laughs) We have derailed. Sorry, Geraldo. Man. Okay, let's look at this parable. Luke chapter 15, verses 8 through 10. Jesus is teaching, and he says, Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me! I have found that lost coin! In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Just think if my messages were that quick. Powerful. And again, as we're looking at context here, and the context of where you find this in this passage and in the Bible as you're reading before and after, it's so important to know our context. And then a context of this, Luke chapter 15 starts, and you can go back and you can kind of look at it. It starts and says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all to get, uh, gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them? This is the context. This is the Pharisees. These are the professional pastors, teachers, the holy people. And as they encounter Jesus, the context is they're whispering now, this man eats with sinners? This is the context. And so he goes through these parables. Last week, the parable of the lost sheep. Jesus gives that. Jared, Jared did a great job with that. This week, we're looking at the lost coin. Another story that Jesus is just adding up in these, he eats with sinners? And then next week, we're gonna look at the lost son. Oh, that's a really good one. Weston's gonna own that one, man. So be praying for him, because he's giving the message then. But as, but as they're speaking through this, the context is, these Pharisees are saying, Christ ate with sinners? That's messed up. Jesus say it was sinners? That's, that's messed up. Christ pursued and loved sinners? This cannot be God. Because God wouldn't have nothing to do with sinners. God should, in fact, put to death all these sinners. And so the Pharisees are whispering these things, and Jesus is completely blowing their mind because this is not what they thought their Savior would look like. This is not what God does. It would make him impure. <laughs> Aren't you glad That Jesus eats with sinners? Because his meals are beautiful. and That's the only way that I can eat with them. Amen for that, right? Amen that Jesus isn't what the Pharisees think. And so as we continue just in the context here... This bride, why is she looking so much for this lost coin? Well, it's said because people are super smart and they read and all this stuff. So some in Dwight Pentecost, wrote this about this. Said this, the bride's dowry that she had been given at her wedding is what she was looking for. Because it's only a coin worth one day's wage. It's not a tremendous amount. There had to be something more in depth to what she was looking for. Such coins were normally mounted at a headband and were worn on the forehead to be seen in public. So it's like losing your wedding ring, right? And So she's frantically looking for this thing. That's a great context right there. Another piece of context that's important here is the Palestinian homes either had a dirt floor or a stone floor, right? And they were usually covered with straw to keep the dust down to keep moisture levers, levels down, and even to keep the house a little cool. So in order to find this coin, this this bride, this woman, would literally have to move all the straw out, sift, sift, sift I said sift, through all the straw, <laughs> right, looking for this coin, go through and sweep the house. Like, this is, this is a big deal. This isn't just a small deal. It meant that much to her. Now, When we're thinking about context, I don't want us to think that we're the woman, because we're not the woman. Jesus, God is the woman, okay? So it's not about losing our salvation. Please don't take it out of context. This parable is about God's movement towards us. And so I don't want us to look at it out of context. This is about God's movement towards us. And so when we're looking at this context, all this is important because now we can begin to apply it to our lives. Like, what does this mean to us? Here's the application a few, okay? God has moved heaven and earth so that we can know Him. God's this woman. He's lost one coin. And he's moving all the straw out. He's he's looking through it. He's sweeping the house. And he's looking for us. And when he finds us, he throws this huge celebration. We're the coin. Not the woman, we're the coin. God is the woman looking and searching for us. He's moved heaven and earth so that we can know him. When a sinner repents, God throws a party. When we realize how inadequate we are, and we realize how much pride has driven us and we realize how far away from, we are from God and we go, God, please just, here I am, all of me. When we get to that point, we re- repent and we say, God, my life is yours, it's no longer mine. He stands up and does a slow clap. And all the angels join in the slow clap and there's a party that pursues in heaven because one person has come to know and in coming to know God, we've come to realize how beautiful we are in him. That's worth a party. And if we were downstairs, and if you have little, little ones, little disciples downstairs and Project Kids, here's what they're going to tell you. Every penny is worth a party. And they're making these cool little tops. Every penny is worth a party. And I thought, you know what? I went to my penny jar, and I was going to hand us all pennies, but I don't got that much. So, every penny is worth a party. Here's the deal. Satan is sly. If I were to cuss in a message, this is a really good spot to put an explicit in. Satan is sly. Why do we say that? He wants to steal our identity. From the very beginning, he wants to steal our identity. And when Satan gets us believing we are not worthy, he has won. So I don't know how you sit here today, and I don't know what scenarios you're walking through and what's going through in your life, but Satan is sly, and he wants you to believe that you're not worthy. Like that thing you did, you know, that messed up thing you did that everyone knows about or no one knows about. You did it again for the millionth time. Satan wants to come in and say, see, you're not worthy. And God's coming along and going, dude, do you realize I've moved all the straw out? I've looked through all of that. I've swept the whole house out to find one coin because you're that worthy. Don't let Satan take your identity away, people, Uh uh-uh. As Christians, it's called Christ-like. We're followers of Christ. We find our identity in who he is, not in what we've done or haven't done. Amen. That's called grace, right? Let's give it up for God and grace there, man. In this parable, this woman wasn't in rebellion. There's another way to look at it, okay? Just Just to look at it a little differently. It was simply she couldn't find something very precious to her and she was desperate to find it. God is desperate to know us, to find us, to walk with us, yet that has a lot of us in us, when I, us in it when I say that. This parable is more about God and what he's already done. Like If, if you wanna know about God, and his heart towards humanity, Second Peter 3, 9 says this, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Like the way I see it in this verse right here is God's just looking at humanity going, I don't want anyone to perish, man. I want you to realize that without me, you're nothing, and that sin separates us, but I've bridged that. I've come to die for that. I've come to give you an identity and to overlook all of that. Like My blood washes over all of us, and I'm just so patient with you. And so as we look at it that way, like God right now is saying, I'm so patient with you. I love you so much. I'm going to continue to pursue you. That's the end of the story. Do you accept my love? And do you accept this goodness because I'm the woman that's lost a coin and I'm going to stay up all night until I find it. No matter how old we are, how young we are, God's brought you here because he wants to show you and tell you how much he loves you. So will you and I accept this crazy, stupid love message? Because it's just crazy stupid that God would move heaven and earth to eat with a sinner like myself. Do you want to know how much God has been chasing you? Like literally today as you sit here, do you want to know how much God has been chasing you? I'm going to invite Jonathan. I'm going to invite all y'all. All y'all. I can say that because they're from Texas. Psalms 139, I'm going to read the entire Psalms 139. because if you want to know how much God has been chasing you this is David king David you know the guy that slept with the woman got her pregnant and killed her husband remember him sounds a whole lot like me well I didn't do that I'm not it sounds a whole lot like my heart I don't deserve forgiveness do you I've let Satan steal my identity, have you? I need to be reminded of this every single day, how much God loves. So keep in mind as we're reading Psalms 139, that this adulterer, murderous guy is the one that wrote it. So we're in good company, aren't we? Psalms 139. Okay, let's read here. You, God, by the way, this is in the message version because it's just sick. You, God, investigated my life. Get all the facts firsthand. I'm an open book to you. Even from a distance, you know what I'm thinking. You know when I leave and when I get back, I'm never out of your sight. Amen. You know everything I'm going to say before I start the first sentence. I look behind me and you're there. Then up ahead and you're there too. Your reassuring presence coming and going. This is too much, too wonderful. I can't take it all in. Is there any place I go to avoid your spirit? To be out of your sight? If I climb to the sky, you're there. If I go underground, you're there. If I flew on morning's wings to the far western horizon, you'd find me in a minute. You're already there waiting. Then I said to myself, Oh, he even sees me in the dark. Is any of us at dark? Are any of us walking through dark right now? At night, I'm immersed in the light. It's a fact. Darkness isn't dark to you. Night and day, darkness and light, they're all the same to you. Oh yes, you shaped me first inside, then out. You formed me in my mother's womb. I thank you, high God. You're breathtaking. Body and soul, I am marvelously made. I worship and adoration. What a creation. You know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made bit by bit. How I was sculpted from nothing into something. Like an open book, you watched me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you. The days of my life all prepared before I even lived one day. Your thoughts? How rare. How beautiful. God, I'll never comprehend them. I can't even begin to count them any more than I could count the sand on the sea. Oh, let me rise in the morning and live always with you. And please, God, do away with wickedness for good. Amen? And you murderers out there, All the men and women who believe who belittle you God infatuated with cheap God imitations see how I hate these who hate you God. See how I loathe all this godless arrogance. I hate it with pure unadulterated hate. Your enemies are my enemies. Investigate my life oh God. Find out everything about me. Cross-examine and test me. Get a clear picture of what I'm about. See for yourself whether I've done any wrong. Then guide me on the road of eternal life. And all of God's people said, amen. God, I pray for our hearts. And church, would we just stand and get ready to worship and sing to God? I pray for our hearts that we wouldn't hold anything back from you. For when we know that you've searched for us like this lost coin, and you've moved heaven and earth to pursue us, God, we recognize how great you are and how you've pulled us to your greatness. God, we thank you for your forgiveness. And I pray over us today. That if any of us are holding anything back, that this would be the day that we say, God my life, I give it to you. God, this situation, I give it to you. My actions, my thoughts, I give it to you. In light of how much you've moved heaven and earth for me, I would be so prideful to hold on to this thing because, God, that's just nothing more than Satan stealing my identity and making me feel ashamed for this alias in which they're put. he's putting on me. God, you say I'm am a I'm a prince and I'm a princess because of you and your blood. And so I claim that, I declare that, and that is my identity from this day forward so God break through for us in our hearts and our minds break through for church project that we would realize who we are in you and we would declare your greatness and so when it feels right in this place I invite you just to worship who God is and what he's done in our lives